championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. Your home for everything. Lakers, oh boy. We got a rough one to get into tonight. The Lakers absolutely crushed by the Phoenix Suns, particularly in this second half. Final score, 108-90. to And LeBron James had a really good game. Unfortunately, just about everybody else did not. We will break everything down. Joining me tonight is Sean Davis. You guys can find him on Twitter, at Sean underscore D-A-V-I. Sean, you probably heard him on doing our Lakers Nation film breakdowns. Now he's joining me here on the LakersNation.com postgame show. Sean, how are you doing, man? Uh, after that game, not as good, but uh, appreciate you having me on, Trevor. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was, that was not the kind of performance we were hoping to see out of the Lakers. Now, we knew going into this game that it was going to be a tough night for the Lakers. You've got a Suns team that, in terms of their key rotation players, is basically 100% healthy. You've got a Lakers team that is not. But that's not to say the Lakers are going to win this one regardless. Based on the way the Lakers have played, I wouldn't have had them as the favorite going into this game, even if both teams were completely healthy. I think that's fairly uh, an honest assessment there. So the Lakers losing isn't so much the surprise. I think the surprise was how good LeBron looked and how much they still struggled in this one. Yeah, for sure. I was telling you, I think before we hopped on here, it was like, yeah, it was LeBron. Trevor Reeves was really good. But, I mean, like you look at the stats, I was like, okay, Russ had an okay game throughout that first half or so, and then just went all downhill, it seemed, from there. But, yeah, Isaiah Thomas can buy a bucket the entire game. Um, DeAndre Jordan was bad the entire game. Uh, and Wayne Ellington, when he can't buy a shot, it's it's brutal. Um, but, yeah, it was really LeBron and then Trevor Reese. Yeah, the Lakers, really good, I thought. the Lakers on the night, 39% from the field, 20% from three to go along with 14 turnovers. Now, they only had three turnovers at halftime. So, obviously, the, the wheels really fell off in the turnover department. Russell Westbrook leading the way there with seven turnovers. Uh, you had Taylor Norton Tucker, one for 13 shooting on the night. Isaiah Thomas, one for 11. So, combined, they were two for 24 from the from the field. Again, this was <laughs> LeBron was fantastic. 34 points, seven boards, 13 of 19 shooting, six of six from the line, and the Lakers kind of wasted a good LeBron night because no one else could seem to get things done uh, on either end of the floor. And it wasn't bad in the first half, but the second half, the wheels just completely fell off. So we're going to get into it, guys. We'll get into some of the specifics. If you're joining us live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, I'm taking your questions and comments. This is also an opportunity to vent a little bit. I'm sure some of you guys are pretty frustrated after what you just saw, and that's fine. We'll get to vent a little bit here. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right. So let's get into some of the questions and comments first and foremost. Uh, and let's go from there. I'm seeing a lot of people saying trade this player, get rid of that player, do this, do that, bench this player. You know, this was one of those nights where, oh, actually, wait, we need to start with this. Bruce Barnes from YouTube said, Trevor, do we know why Dwight didn't play? No, Bruce, and that is the big mystery from this game. Why was there no Dwight Howard? The whole game, I was thinking the same thing you guys were. Dwight, from yeah. everything we know, is cleared in his pregame presser. Coach Fisdale said, Dwight's good to go. 
but net, yet no Dwight Howard. And DeAndre Jordan was not getting the job done. There were moments where the Lakers certainly played better, small. And so I understand them going small for the most part. But Dwight not getting the starting job over DeAndre Jordan was a bit of a surprise. The only thing I can think of here is perhaps conditioning was an issue after being out for so long due to health and safety protocols. Maybe there was something going on there, but he was cleared to play. I'm interested to see what they say after the game. Uh, Sean, any any thoughts from you as far as uh, Dwight not playing? I mean, to me, it felt like the easy choice to put him in. Yeah, I thought it was a little weird already at the beginning when DeAndre Jordan started. I was like, okay, why are we going back to DeAndre Jordan again? Um, And then it was, I had to call the game on ColorCast. And I was at certain points, I was like, okay, DeAndre Dwight Howard's not in. Where is he at? And I, again, like you mentioned, Coach Fisdale, he was saying that THT and Dwight Howard, excuse me, were both cleared from the health and safety protocol. So he has definitely a mystery. Um, I'll be honest, though. I mean, yeah, he would have been a lot better, but the Suns were just really good tonight. They put DeAndre Jordan in a lot of pick and roll situations. So yeah, Dwight Howard might have done a little bit better, in, but it was just too good, I think, for the Suns tonight. Um, so I've got a, a super chat here from Benjamin, who added a few things. Said this team would be way better off on the if they had just defenders and LeBron. Uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't have enough defensive players out there tonight, that's for sure. And uh, and no shooters. Okay, he's saying they would be better if they had only defensive players and no shooters. Then all the these, Then all these shooters who can't defend were best in transition. He said, also, Trevor, stop cutting off your guests, please. So my hope here is that because we've had an issue in the past where what happens is it winds up buffering my guest, and then it sounds like I'm stepping all over them to you guys. Even when on our end, I'm not. So hopefully that's not what's what's happening there. But in any event, hopefully that's uh, that's not the case. But Sean, what do you think? Better to have non-shooters and guys who can just defend like crazy, or would you rather have shooters who can't play defense? I think you see both sides of the spectrum there because like there are certain points tonight where you're like, well, or this season rather, because definitely not tonight where you're like, okay, we have shooters, we just can't guard. Um, but then down the stretch in that third quarter, when on a bad ankle, Braun looked like he twisted his ankle there. So I'm curious what he says post game about it. Um, but in that second half, when he really started to pack the paint, the Suns did. LeBron was kicking it out to Rondo for threes. And I get it, the Lakers have a lot of guys banged up due to health and safety protocols. But even when they're back, it's not like it's much better. So. I see both sides of the spectrum on that one for sure. Yeah, so this was this was a game where when the Lakers had their best lineups out there with LeBron, and I'm talking about the small lineups that had shooting. So you would have LeBron, Ariza, Mello, sometimes Ellington, so players like that that could, that could at least provide some spacing. Things looked okay when DeAndre Jordan was on the floor, on the floor, and up the paint. Not so much when it was LeBron surrounded by THT, Westbrook, and Rondo, surprise, surprise, it didn't look that great. Why? Because those are three guys that the Suns will gladly let shoot from behind the arc. It's not rocket science, right? You've got to have guys who can shoot from behind the arc, but you also have to have defenders. And that's why everybody in the league right now is looking for players that can shoot threes and play defense. The Lakers have some guys who can play defense. They have some guys who can shoot threes. Not a lot of guys who really do both of those things. And so that's been a challenge over the course of the season. And of course, today, with all of the players that were missing due to health and safety protocols, that made it even that much more challenging for 
in this case, Coach Fisdale, to put together a roster that or a rotation that made any kind of sense, really. I mean, Sean, we saw some bizarre lineups out there, but a lot of that is just there's so many guys that are out right now. Yeah, I think when they gave Russ and LeBron a break late in the fourth, I think the lineup was like Isaiah Thomas, Rondo, uh, was it THT, Wade Ellington, and DeAndre Jordan. Like we, We've seen some bizarre lineups ever since the health and safety protocols have really hurt the Lakers. And, yeah, again, a lot of that's not their concern. Not that it's not in their control. Um, so we've seen, like, some people, like, criticize them for their lineups. But, I mean, again, when you're missing key rotation pieces like HBK, well, now Dwight Howard, I guess, and some of these other guys, yes, you're not going to have a perfect rotation. Rondo's not even in the rotation. Mm-hmm. That's He has to play, though. Yeah, that that's part of it too, right? I mean, like like Rondo, he came in not wanting to be or not intending to be part of the rotation. That was not what the the game plan was. And yet you've guys who are being forced into I mean, Isaiah Thomas was signed off the street just a few days ago. Yeah. And he's a part of the rotation. He started last game. So that's part of why things look pretty wonky in terms of who's in at what time and things of that nature. But in any event, uh, let's talk a little bit about the 360 award, which very obviously there's no even debate here. It's LeBron. It's it's LeBron James. This was almost a throwback game from him. He was fired up. He was scoring efficiently. He was just taking this challenge head on. Some of it was probably due to going up against the Suns, who knocked the Lakers out of the playoffs last year. But again, 34 points, two steals, two assists, seven boards. That's, that's the real shame here from this game, is that LeBron was excellent. And you don't get LeBron at this level every single night. And so it's definitely a disappointment that the other guys, in this case... Kind of wasted a, a good LeBron game. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially the official LeBron. We've seen LeBron at times like really have a scoring masterpiece, but it's kind of like not saying 13 for 28 or whatever. It's like bad, especially if you're scoring 30 plus points. He had 34 dropped and on 13 of 19 shooting, which kind of makes it even more special. He was firing from all cylinders on the mid-range game, uh, attacking the bigs, whether it was DeAndre or a smaller like stretch guy like Jay Crowder. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating that nobody else, literally nobody else except maybe Trevor Ariza uh, played well. Yeah, let, let's talk about him. Let's talk about Ariza because you know what? I think there were moments where we saw why the Lakers have been so high on Ariza and why Frank Vogel has been so adamant that he is going to be part of the plan. There were moments out there where you went, aha. That's it. And the moments I'm talking about are when you saw Ariza alongside LeBron and LeBron was the five. That's specifically what Ariza allows you to do. He lets you play small, right? Small in quotations, without really being that small out on the court, right? If you've you've got AD in there with Ariza at the four, you still have some size, but you're very versatile. You can switch a lot on the perimeter, You, but you're not going to get crushed if your big goes out to contend at the three-point line. Now you've got somebody with some size in Ariza who can actually help you out a little bit on the boards. And we saw that. I think asking Ariza to be the center, which we saw happen a few times tonight, where Ariza and Mello were the bigs, that's probably going a bit too far. But overall, Ariza looked pretty good and gave the Lakers essentially what you would hope he would in terms of that skill set. In fact, he did enough to where I thought they need one more of him. There needs to be one more player that you can put alongside LeBron that's got some size on the wing, that can stretch the floor a little bit, that can be switchy defensively, and made me even more convinced that this team needs a trade to go find a player like that. I mean, paging Jeremy Grant, 
it, they need that. They need that fit right now. Or a guy that I've kind of thrown out that's kind of like a Trevor Ariza, younger, but also more of a team-friendly contract, Maxi Kleba from Dallas. He's kind of been weirdly out of place in the rotation this year. 6'9", can really stretch the floor, hit the three. And there's plays where like Dallas will switch him onto a guard or whatever, and he plays solid defense just to a point where the Lakers can uh, – he'll be an asset to the Lakers. I mean, especially with this roster, just – I think he's on an $8 million contract, I believe, uh, so that it's easier to potentially make a trade there with Dallas. Again, they have to be interested in it, but he's kind of been wonky, uh, wonky in the rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've thrown him out as a potential trade candidate. But, yeah, they definitely need, like, a, another Trevor Ariza in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, Kleba is at $8.7 million, so if that's the guy that you want to go get, then then you certainly could get there. Um, I definitely would be calling for Jeremy Grant first and foremost. Again, I I think that I think the Lakers really the big mistake, right? We talk all about how they shouldn't have traded for Russell Westbrook. A lot of people are, you know, and and after tonight's performance, you've got a lot more ammunition based on what we saw from Russ, because when the wheels fell off, it's when bad Russ really started to show up in the second half. Um, but you can go back, you can question that decision. But I think the biggest question mark for the Lakers from this last offseason is was if Trevor Ariza was so important, his skill set was so important, and it is, why only get one of them? Why would you only get one player that can do the things that Ariza does? Now, players like that don't grow on trees, so that's that's part of the equation here. But still, the Lakers feel like they're just screaming for another big wing who can do what Ariza does and let you play small without really being small. So you've got the size to contend on the perimeter like the Suns have when they've got, when they're bringing in Cam Johnson, they're bringing in, they've got uh, Mikhail Bridges. They've got all the Jay Crowder. They've got all these guys with size that can shoot, but they're not going to get annihilated on the boards. And that's been a problem for the Lakers this season. So tonight's game, seeing Ariza out there, it was great. It's fantastic seeing him successful, but it also makes me just think, gosh, there needs to be one more at least player with that skill set on this Lakers team. Yeah, absolutely. And one more thing uh, before you move on here. Uh, I think Matt, the optimist for all to mention this in the past, like there's no way Frank Vogel's had like a full say in this roster because I mean, it just doesn't make too much sense why a defensive minded coach would put this roster together with guys who just are either really good shooters or they're really bad shooters and can defend a little bit but i mean you want more 3 and d guys like ariza so i don't want to keep harping on ariza because like you said it gets a little depressing but yeah it's it's rough um i had somebody asked it was a super chat i missed the name though said would the lakers be better off right now if they had just kept the 2019 2020 title team just keep that team intact roll it over keep that entire squad I mean, I think the easy answer there would be yes, right? Because that team had chemistry. Uh, Like, add JaVale McGee. Look how good JaVale McGee looked tonight. Add JaVale McGee into the mix. Add Caruso into the mix. KCP, Kuzma, right? I mean, just if you had just kept that squad even, I think you'd be in better shape than you are right now. If you kept last year's team, I think you're certainly in better shape than you are right now. The changes that the Lakers made, there was reason for them. There was rationale behind them but they largely have not worked the way they were intended to. And so that's that's where the Lakers are. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it's even debatable that if you had kept the title team or kept the team from last year, the Lakers right now would be better in terms of wins and losses in terms of their overall record. 
Especially at this point, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, now, does that team, I'd argue, like, have the potential of this team? I'd argue no, because, I mean, just logically, it's kind of hard to roll back the same team uh, when the rest of the league uh, is continuing to improve. It's kind of hard to roll back the same team and just expect to be contenders, right? But I won't say they have the same potential, but I definitely agree. Like, at this point, that championship team would definitely be performing better than this one anyway yeah absolutely uh my email said trev is it safe safe to say without a trade this team doesn't win a title i think there needs to be a rebalancing i think they're too guard heavy on this team and too small yeah. i don't know sean ad comes back let's say ad comes back totally healthy and you're able to grab somebody on the buyout market or something like that. Do you think there's a path forward or is it you have to package THT, Kendrick Nunn, put them together, their salaries, and then see what you can get for them? Is that where we're at at this point? I know that's where a lot of Lakers Nation fans are at this point, just get rid of THT. But, I mean, I think if you package THT or if you trade THT, it has to be for somebody at least at the level of a Jeremy Grant because just the return on investment and you look you not saying you could have brought back both him and Alex Caruso but that's the big reason why you didn't bring back Alex Caruso it could have been that defensive guard in the backcourt mm -hmm. to at least kind of offset Russell Westbrook so I mean is it the only way they win a title uh not necessarily but I do agree whether it's the buyout market or trade there needs to be a rebalancing because I mean again can we get a, another Trevor Ariza or like a, a stretch five that can kind of guard out there on the perimeter and kind of help with Anthony Davis? Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I've got Al Coro with a super chat said this game was lost with the three ball. Too many missed. This game is built on rhythm for makes. Absolutely. It's no surprise. So the Suns were hitting about 16 ish percent of their threes heading into halftime. And I said, in fact, uh, another colleague from Lakers Nation texted me and said, hey, are, do you think the Lakers are going to win this one? This is uh, this is not as, uh, this is closer than I thought. I said, honestly, no, because the Suns aren't going to, actually it was 14%. The Suns aren't going to shoot 14% from three in the second half, and that's going to be a problem. And what happens is a lot of people think defense and offense aren't connected. They're very, very connected. And what happened was the Suns started making some of their threes. In fact, they made two of them, I think, right out of the gates and to start the third quarter. And that meant the Lakers offense then wasn't getting in transition off of missed shots, of open missed shots, by the way, by the Suns in the first half. Um, they were getting wide open looks, just missing them. And so that made the Lakers offense go against the full Suns half-court defense, and that really caused problems for them. And so that's where you saw a lot of guys that weren't LeBron really struggle, whether it was Isaiah Thomas, Taylor Horton Tucker, whoever, just couldn't get anything to drop. And a lot of that was because they were playing in the half-court instead of in transition. So... Uh, that's the, the three pointer was extremely important on both ends on both ends. It wasn't just the Lakers missing threes. It was also the fact that the first half they gave up open threes to the Suns, and the Suns happened to miss those second half. They didn't miss those. And that not only gave the Suns a more efficient offense, but it also had a detrimental effect on the Lakers defense, which is a lot of what you look at in, uh, in your, your breakdowns that you do, Sean. Yeah, uh, I, I promise you I have so little hair because I've ripped my hair out watching our ball screen <laughs> every game. I promise you. So, yeah, that's fun. John, did you see the play that you did a kind of mini breakdown for for social? The one that we put up that was about a minute long. It was a LeBron high post action and then Russ 
uh, was going to go set a screen, slipped it, and then curled to the basket and got the layup. They ran that tonight. It turned into a look for Russ eventually, but the Suns read the play and put a stop to it. It was like they they clearly had scouted and saw that that worked yeah. last time, and they knew exactly what to do. Did you catch catch them run that again? I actually didn't catch it uh, live. I had some things going on with my, my stream or whatever, but I did not catch that. But, I mean, it's a good play. Um, and, again, I think as I broke down, it looks like it's a like handoff action out of it at the end. That's why Isaiah Thomas like set it. I have to watch it back from this game, but yeah, I mean they ran another really good set. I forget what point in the game, but I mean they're getting Wayne Ellington on the move, and I know a lot of people are saying get Fizdale in as the head coach. I mean, and I think I texted you this like there's a reason why Fizdale hasn't gotten hired again since his last stint. So I mean, I'd kind of push the brakes, pump the brakes on. Just hiring Fizdale, firing Vogue, especially midseason. Um, but I mean, hey, at least with Fizz, they're, they're running a lot of really creative stuff, right? At good sets in the half court for sure. Um, so I want to get into. Oh, I've got a, a super chat here. I want to get to, but there's a few things we need we need to talk about. Still, there was a quote by David Fizdale ahead of the game that we need to talk about. But I've got Chad Beard from YouTube said, Trevor, in what parallel universe is DJ a better center option than Dwight Howard? No other coach in the league would do this. I don't mind losing to a better team, but some of the coaching decisions are truly mind-boggling. I'm hey, I'm right there with you. Made no sense. And that's why I want to find out what gets said after the game. I have to imagine it was something conditioning-wise, Dwight. It, when you're in health and safety protocols. It's not like you're going and playing pickup games or anything like that. You're kind of locked down. So I don't know if it was a conditioning thing. Dwight just didn't have his legs under him. Maybe, maybe Dwight, I, I don't know. I don't want to assume, but maybe Dwight was symptomatic and that kind of took its toll on him. We've heard of players who do get symptoms and then they wind up struggling for a little while to come back, kind of get their win back and all of that. That's me guessing. Again, I don't want to assume that's the case, but there has to have been some kind of reason because you're right. In my mind, playing DeAndre Jordan over Dwight Howard, it makes no sense. Yeah, and like, like, I've already mentioned you. They're both cleared from the health and safety protocols, and then they don't play at all. That was kind of weird for sure. And well, Howard didn't play at all. That was weird for sure. All right, I've got Eusebio Perez with a super chat. Said, Trevor, they need to trade Russ. Even if they don't get much in return, addition by subtraction, Russ is not a good fit and a momentum killer. So that's the challenge. This is what the Lakers knew when they got into the Russell Westbrook business, when they decided to make that trade, that they weren't going to have a lot of flexibility to then turn around and flip him. He makes so much money that even if, let's say a team out there really wanted Russ, which teams aren't lining up to get Russell Westbrook, but let's say there's a team out there that had talked themselves into it. Yes, I want Russell Westbrook. Logistically, trying to make that trade work, getting enough contracts together to make that trade work, and then actually executing that deal, it's very, very tough to the point where trading Russell Westbrook is all but impossible. You never say never in the NBA. Every contract where we've said that's an untradeable contract, they wound up, they wind up getting traded at some point. So I'm not saying it can never happen. But it's extremely difficult to find a workable trade for Russell Westbrook right now in the NBA. I, I would not count on Russell Westbrook being traded during this season. Sean, I, I can't even think off the top of my head of a trade that another team would do that would make any kind of sense for the Lakers that doesn't involve just taking 
whatever other terrible contracts are, are out there. Yeah, it's to the point where I'm like, there's no way Russ gets traded midseason. I think you flow the idea around. If you're going to trade Russ, it makes a whole lot more sense to do it in the offseason, whether if he picks up his player option or like a sign-in trade, have him decline the option and then sign and trade him with a, a mm-hmm. partner that would want him. But yeah, there's there's no way. With this contract, knowing that he has that player option, I don't think there's any way he gets traded mid So here's the thing, too, with Russ. We've talked about this a lot, especially during the offseason we talk about this, that sometimes we mix up a player's contract with who they are on the court. And we can take what is a bad contract and kind of poison our opinion of who they are on the floor. And Russell Westbrook could potentially be one of those players. So, for example, if Russell Westbrook had a contract that paid him $10 million, there would be teams that would want him. Maybe they wouldn't say, okay, you're our starting guard. Maybe they make him an off-ball player, something like that, right? But Russell Westbrook at his current price tag of over $40 million, that's where teams are out on Russell Westbrook. So, And you could certainly argue that even basketball-wise, there are some teams that would just say, okay, that's not really a fit for us. I'm not saying he's a terrible basketball player. I think he can. Tonight was not a great night for him, but I think we've also seen moments where he's been pretty good. Has he been $40-plus million good? No. But he's been passable. Again, tonight was not that night. But I do see a lot of people who are very down on Russell Westbrook. And I'm not saying that no team would ever want him. It's the price tag of getting him. That's that's the challenge. The Lakers hope that, hey, we'll pay the price tag right now. Maybe he only produces what a $30 million player would. But we're okay with that. And we'll just, we'll just move forward. He's probably not quite giving you that. And because there's that big gap between what he actually gives you, which can still be positive, and his contract, that's where teams lose interest in, in Russell Westbrook. Yeah, um, somebody said, can we trade Rob Polinka? <laughs> uh, I think you missed somebody's super chat, but the trade Rob Polinka. Oh, I'm, I'm grabbing the super chats as they go through. I'm saving some of them, some of them as we, uh, we go through here. Uh, DJ Midnight from YouTube with a super chat said, you know, it's bad when a crippled LeBron is still the most effective scoring option. Yeah. Uh, LeBron really was the only guy, the only guy that could really get it going aside from an occasional Trevor Ariza three. So that was, uh, tough to see, tough to see, especially LeBron on one leg. Uh, Lords of the sky said, Hey, Trevor and Sean, let's talk about Ariza. Okay. We did talk about him. He put up solid numbers. What do you guys think? Last active player left who won a title with Kobe. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I I liked what the what we saw out of Ariza. I think I think what we saw out of Ariza showed us exactly why Frank Vogel has been saying he will have a part in the rotation. I don't think we've seen him do anything that made us say, "Oh, that's just not going to work." I think what we've seen from him so far is he's going to be a solid rotation player. Is he more than that? Is he the the saving grace for the Lakers? No, but he's definitely part of the rotation. I think we can we can make that assessment based on what we've seen the last two games yeah for sure his activeness on the defensive end and then his just ability to spot up and knock down catch and shoot threes he was what three for three from three tonight um could have used that in the second half but i mean hey he played really well on both ends of the floor tonight. Uh, antonio Paolo Paolo said lakers gave up the entire offense for defense and the offense hasn't delivered wasted season Hopefully it doesn't wind up being a, a wasted season for the Lakers so far. They're at 500 right now, so it feels that way for sure. So I understand that frustration there, but uh, hopefully it doesn't wind up being a wasted season for the Lakers. They've they've got some some work to do, though, if they're going to get things back on track. Yeah. 
Uh, Jared Chalker, where do you think we would be if we got Lowry for THT? So if you go back in time and say that you'd pulled the trigger on that trade, it was KCP, THT, and Dennis Schroeder in exchange for Kyle Lowry. And then you would have assumed that they re-signed Kyle Lowry, probably paid him about $25 million or so this season. So if you had Kyle Lowry instead of Taylor Horton Tucker right now, that also would mean that you wouldn't have executed the Russell Westbrook trade, but you'd have already traded KCP. Is Do you then still trade Kuz and Trez for Buddy Heald? And then you're looking at a lineup with Lowry, Buddy, LeBron, AD, and you're building around that? I mean, that doesn't I mean, sound that, that, that doesn't sound bad right now. <laughs> that doesn't sound bad right now. Um, yeah, it really does. I was floating around the idea in my head of you might as well just keep Kuz and Trez. Uh, me personally, I would have kept Kuz and Trez if you get Kyle. I get why you would trade for Buddy, but having Kuz, first off, like they don't have a lot of young guys, and Kuz has definitely showed flashes throughout his Lakers tenure and now as a Wizard. Um, and just another guy, Kuz really stepped up defensively at times last season. So seeing if he can keep forward on that development and he can knock down shots. I mean, I would have kept Kuz. I don't know about Trez, but I would have definitely kept Kuz. It felt like things had kind of run their course, like the Lakers were done with Kyle Kuz. But I found it kind of funny that the yeah. second his new contract kicked in to where he actually could bring back some kind of trade value and he wasn't just making $3 million anymore, literally the day you could do it, they traded him, <laughs> but still, yeah, Kyle Kuzma. I think Kuzma got a little bit underrated. His size and defensive mobility, people didn't yeah. give him enough credit for that. And I think we're seeing the the effects of not having that now. Uh, yeah. Alan Joseph with the Super Chat said, we kept THT over Caruso. Yes, <laughs> that, that also did did indeed happen. Uh, Caruso, of course, looks pretty good with uh, with Chicago right now. Let's see. Yeah, that's funny. What else do we have here? All right. We do need to get into the Next Man Up Award. I am still grabbing your super chats as they come through here. So for the Next Man Up Award, who would you go with? Who of the, the other? There were a lot of bad other Lakers, but who is the Next Man Up? Who, aside from LeBron, who is the next best player? Let's see what you guys are saying. I've got... I've got a lot of people Mello. saying, I don't know if you can go with Mello. Because Mello got, Mello got ejected. <laughs> Saw a couple bras in there. I mean, was it that bad? Or the- like, <laughs> give it to Bron. <laughs> LeBron was the only one. LeBron was the only one. No, I'm seeing some people say, and this would be my pick too. I think it's Trevor Ariza. I think, I don't know, Sean, who do you think it would be? Who do you think is the, was the next best player not named LeBron or, or Russell Westbrook? Oh, no, it's definitely Trevor Ariza. And at this point, it's kind of a broken record. But, I mean, he really was, like, the second-best player on the floor tonight for the Lakers, and that's kind of sad. But, I mean, again, like, his versatility defensively got a steal on, uh, I think, campaign that led to a potential layup. He missed, like, seven layups tonight, though, so doubtful that he made it. Um, and then uh, he had a tip that – or a deflection on a Devin Booker – drive that had to reset for the sun so i thought he was really good for the sun for the lakers tonight uh, i've got deontay bland said how about russ for john wall similar contract well sure but what is that what does that fix don't you have some similar issues in terms of the outside shooting that and wall hasn't played all season so is that really helping you in any way or are you just kind of trading like and i know they've already been traded so 
I don't know that that's really something that you do. And what? why would the Rockets do that? If they're going to trade John Wall, they're going to do oh, it to yeah. try to get out of that contract, not just put themselves back in the same position, just to, you know, shuffle, shuffle cards or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, that sounds solid, I guess. I mean, the contracts sort of match up. But, yeah, yeah, like you pointed out, why would Houston do that? They're clearly trying to move towards, you know, having the young guys, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, like build around them. And that's why John Wall is just sitting there waiting to be traded or potentially bought out. Who knows? But, yeah, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. Rashawn Thompson says, why sub out LeBron at the seven-minute mark? to go down 12 just to sub him back in down 20 with five minutes left rotations have been horrid and THT needs to be traded. He has no clear role. So I want to get to the THT thing, but Rashawn, I agree with you putting, I didn't understand why LeBron was back in the game. That didn't make sense. The game was over at that point. What, what do you benefit? What do you benefit by putting him out there? You're losing the game regardless. He already turned his ankle. All you're doing is increasing the likelihood of an injury by putting him back out on the floor. Now, before the game, Coach Fisdale made some comments about LeBron pretty much tells them when he wants to play and when he doesn't because he's LeBron, um, as though they don't really have a say in it. But that's a situation where even if LeBron is saying, hey, I want to go back in, as the coach, you have to say no. There's no reason to put him on the floor down that many points because you know you're not coming back. So all you're going to do at best, is maybe chip into the Suns' lead a little bit. Is that worth a potential injury? Is that worth the injury risk of putting him back out on the floor after he already turned his ankle? In my mind, no. No way. Not even close. John, I mean, did, did you understand why he was back out there? Is there something I'm missing there? No. The, the, outside of LeBron saying, I, I want to play, but, I mean, there has to be somebody that's like, Braun, you turned your ankle Please sit down. Like, there has, is there somebody on the Lakers squad that could just say, Bron, this is game 32. We're going to need you for hopefully game 95, which will be in the postseason. So, Bron, please sit down. Like, is there anybody that could tell I him mean, that? Rondo. Rondo can. <laughs> I, know that, I know that. Maybe that's what they need. Hey. Um, but the second part of this question from Rashawn, I think, is something we need to address. THT needs to be traded. He has no clear role. I started to get Kyle Kuzma vibes from THT tonight. And in that, I mean, Kyle Kuzma for years was that guy where the Lakers couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with him. His role, whether it was starting, coming off the bench, and what the Lakers were asking him to do changed year by year. At one point, he was the microwave bench scorer. They wanted him to come in and score points. And then, like last season, he was the rebound and defense guy. Just come in, get boards, play defense, take the shot if it's wide open. Otherwise, you're just doing the dirty work, right? His role changed every single year. And part of that was his own versatility wound up being a curse because he could do a little bit of everything. The team couldn't figure out exactly what they wanted him to do. In fact, uh, the championship season, I believe it was, Kuzma came into training camp and was asked, the uh, media asked him, what, what's your role on this team? And he said, I have no idea. And the reason for that was the coaches knew every single player on the team. Okay, KCP, you're going to be a 3 and D guy, right? Danny Green, 3 and D. LeBron, you're going to be acting as our point guard, our initiator. Everybody had a role, but because Kyle Kuzma can do a lot of different things, they didn't know what to do with him. And I'm kind of getting that vibe from Taylor Horton Tucker as well, where he's talented, he's got talent, 
but the way the Lakers are using him right now doesn't maximize those things, and it's possible that he's just not effective enough where you're going to build anything around him to maximize what he does. So that's my long-winded way of saying that I feel like we're going down, Sean, we're going down this path with THT where the Lakers are going to wind up not quite doing the right thing with him, and it might not be intentional, but I don't think that he's really being put in a position to thrive currently. Yeah, really quickly to go back to your role point, that's actually a really underrated part of coaching or whatever. Like I think you've heard uh, Chris Paul actually, JJ Redick on the on their podcast, the Old Man and the Three. Oh, looks like we lost uh, Sean for a second there. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Good. Sorry about that. Um, but like Doc would identify the roles. Doc's told Jay, "Hey, you're a shooter. Chris, you're a playmaker, a best player. DeAndre, get lobs, get rebounds, play defense. Like roles is such an uh, an underrated part of coaching or whatever. And I mean, really, like kind of seen that maybe in the past few years how the Lakers just don't know what to do with a few guys with whether it's THT or Kyle Kuzma. So yeah, that's a really good point." Uh, from that super chat. Okay, so I've got a few people responding saying, THT missing shots, even airballing is not a role problem. Chaco Thunder, people saying, don't make excuses for THT. No, no, no. So I'm not making an excuse for Taylor Horton Tucker here. I'm not saying, oh, THT would be this great player if he was in a different role. THT played poorly tonight. He was going to play poorly no matter what role you were going to put him into. What I'm saying is the Lakers lineups, if let's say THT does get to be what we think maybe he can be at some point, the rotations that he's been in, the lineups that he's been in, don't really make sense for what we think he can be. Tonight, if you take this current version of THT, it didn't matter the lineup that you put him in. He had a bad game. Okay, so this, this is not an excuse for THT yeah. having a bad game. This is not my way of saying, oh, it was because his, his rotation was bad or the Lakers aren't using him correctly. I'm saying if we take the ideal version of Taylor Horton Tucker, what he could eventually become... The rotations that he's in right now probably aren't going to maximize those things. So if that's the case, do you look to, to move on from him? That's where I was going with that. Not saying he need, just needed to be in a different role and he would have been fine. Yeah. Also, I'm honored. I'm uh, apparently Channing Fry's brother. It's an honor. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. That's our chat. Our chat finds ways to to compare everybody to to somebody else. So I guess you get to be Channing Fry. Uh, Zafarin said, "I just want to see the Lakers be a scary team again. Other teams, even struggling ones, are like Anthony Edwards facing down Rudy Gobert. No fear. I mean, the Lakers don't really have that that confidence in them, and part of that confidence comes from success. It's hard to have confidence when you continue losing or bad things keep happening. So." And again, they're 500 right now. They've had some good moments this season, but not quite enough. Um, and part of that can be the individual players, their own mental makeup. I think there's certainly some question marks there. We've seen time, times where teams have come out and metaphorically punched them, and the Lakers have just said, oh, okay, we don't want any of that, rather than stepping up to the challenge. So there's some question marks there, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's just what, what we've seen from this team so far, and... Hopefully that's something that does start to turn around, but it's been it's been an issue. 
let's see. Trade THT and Russ for Buddy, Marvin Bagley, and Tristan Thompson. I don't know if the math works on that. I'd have to go look. And I don't know I want to do that. <laughs> um, the Lakers need to give THT's minutes to Ariza from uh, Aaron Willica. Yeah, look, I think that Ariza will. And you saw THT got benched for parts of tonight's game, uh, even when it wasn't his turn in the rotation to get benched or to go to the bench and take a rest. So I think that if Ariza continues playing well, we've asked, okay, whose minutes is he taking? If THT is not playing well, and tonight was a really bad night from him, then yeah, he's the guy that will probably lose minutes to, to Ariza. But that's not the idea. Like, if you want to package THT in a trade, you you got to be hoping that over the next three weeks until THT is trade eligible in the middle of January, he is great. You want to see THT blowing up. Because otherwise, if we see more of the THT we we saw tonight, teams are going to say, ah, oh, no thanks, we're not that interested in that guy. Yeah, uh, that that's why you see guys typically, unless they're kind of high, not when they're like playing really low and not having good performances, uh, because their trade value isn't that high. I mean, if you look at Taylor Horn Tucker's trade value in the offseason compared to now, I mean, it's way lower now because he hasn't been playing well since the first three games back from his thumb injury. So, yeah, man, definitely. Uh, not not only do I not want to do that trade that was suggested, but, yeah, you just can't really – it's hard to trade him right now because he isn't playing well. Definitely want to trade him on his high if you are going to trade him. I got a comment here from uh, Rig Allman said, DeRozan is the biggest miss. Yeah, I mean, the thing about DeRozan, though, was you were, you were triggering a hard cap. It was going to have to be a sign-in trade if you bring him in. And so you would have triggered the hard cap, which would have made building out your team extremely difficult to do. You could do it, but your margin for error would be basically nothing. It would have been really, really hard to do. It's Looking back now, hindsight says, yeah, you probably should have done that instead. But again, triggering that hard cap, that was something the Lakers didn't want to do. And at the time, that made a lot of sense. That was a big, big negative towards doing a deal for DeRozan would be triggering that hard cap and having to deal with that situation throughout the season. So I understand why DeRozan wasn't the guy that they went with because that would have created some really, really difficult problems to deal with. Even though now, looking back now, DeRozan's been great this season, it's easy to say, oh, they should have gone that route. But uh, but yeah, the, the hard cap would have posed some real challenges. Yeah. Uh, let me get into a few more. We do need to get into the master lock of the night as well. We're getting close to that time. So let's knock out a few more of these super chats and then we'll get to that. Uh, Cryptic Villain, how do you guys feel about Fizz? I've liked what I've heard from him so far, but I don't think he's a better coach than Vogel. Also, shout out to Sean. So, hey, there we go. Oh. So, Sean, what do you think? What do you think about Coach Fizzdale? Some people have been calling for Vogel's head, saying it's time for him to go. Is it, should Fizzdale be the guy then? And yeah, like as I mentioned earlier, like there's a reason why Fisdale didn't get a job or he hasn't been rehired yet since his last stint. So just take that with a grain of salt. But I mean, Fizz has done some really nice things offensively. They've looked a little bit more in sync. But I mean, I don't know. I, I do still think Volga, Volga, if Frank Volga has a roster that caters his style in preference, then I think Frank Volga is definitely the better coach. Now, is Fizdale maybe the better coach? I'm not saying fire Vogel, but is 
Fisdale may be the better coach with this style of team. Yeah, maybe. He has the past relationship with LeBron, and he's not a guy who needs 3 and D guys that the Lakers just don't have right now. But, I mean, like, for example, take Frank Vogel with that championship team and Fisdale with this team. I think Frank Vogel's a better coach. So I think it's a lot about the players you have. And I make a last quick, like, comparison or whatever. Like, you think Kyle Shanahan for football, the head coach of the 49ers, who likes blocking tight ends and stuff like that, you think he's going to draft or want a tight end that can't block? No, it doesn't make any sense for his scheme. He's an offensive genius. So, yeah, so I think it's kind of weird when you start talking about who's the better yeah, coach. Yeah, absolutely. That's team. something that you have to factor in is is not just is the coach a good coach, bad coach, whatever, like what you think about the coach. It's also what you think about the players that are in there. But I do want to mention um, Coach Fisdale had an interesting comment before the game, and it was something that maybe we haven't heard enough of um, before the game. Uh, he said... We did some things from a ball, ball movement standpoint, talking about the previous game, as well as we've done them all year. But we have to understand that everyone on this team is a role player when it comes to taking care of the basketball and when it comes to blocking out. Right now, we're getting our butts kicked in the possession game. Teams are getting too many more shots than us at the goal. I think everyone understands that. The hard part is it's a switch we have to make in ourselves. A lot of these guys were the lone star or a star next to a guy and had a bunch of role players doing all this crap for them. And they could throw the ball away and the team could live with it. But now we've got a bunch of stars and we can't have a lot of guys turning the ball over or missing blockouts or expecting us or expecting other guys to do the dirty work. We all have to do it. That felt like that whole comment was screaming Russell Westbrook, turning the ball over and missing blockouts. But it was refreshingly honest from Coach Fisdale, I thought. Yeah, it wasn't a days away comment from Frank Vogel. Not not throwing any shade at Frank Vogel, but I mean, yeah, like just being brutally honest. And sometimes that's what you need. Uh, without like necessarily like overtly calling somebody out, like we see some coaches do. Like every coach has their style, but I, I yeah, I definitely like that comment. I, I think I missed that in the pregame part of it, but yeah, uh, Mamba mentality said uh, we need more production from the others. Trev, yeah, the other guys were not good. Uh, tonight, certainly, it was definitely not LeBron James. Uh, Alan Joseph said, we need 3 and D and size, and we signed all guards. Why? Please wave DJ. Yeah, we were, we've been talking about that quite a bit tonight, that they just don't have enough wing size right now, particularly 3 and D style wings. Um, THT just came back from protocols a week and a half out and was thrown into the starting lineup. Yes, he was, but still, even even with that being the case, you would probably expect a bit more out of him. Uh, so he wasn't even that good, really, defensively either. Like defense, like the same defense travel, or at least it's easier. Like your shot, it might take you a, a second or a game to get your shot back in rhythm. But they kind of went at him defensively too. He had a, a possession here or there, but it's not like he was the THT that Frank Vogel was kind of hyped up defensively tonight. Um, let's get into, and you're right, THT was not that good on either end, and maybe that's just coming back out of health and safety protocols. Again, that could be a factor. Hopefully we get a better THT, <laughs> THT next game, but we'll see. <laughs> THT was so bad he's got me choked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Master Lock Rapalinka. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure signing me to a 10-day contract would solve any problems. 
Um, let's do the master lock of the night. So, Sean, who would you put in it? Um, man, uh, I'm gonna put them in COVID. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna master lock the uh, health and safety protocols because it kind of felt like the Lakers are getting into a little bit of a group. This is a kind of a crucial stretch for the Lakers. You know, you have this game, you have that Bulls game, the Timberwolves game, leading into Christmas Day with the Nets, like that. It seemed like the Lakers kind of were getting into a bit of a momentum and a groove there. And then help and safety protocols happen. You lose HBK, you lose a lot of these other guys. You're already banged up as is. And um, it seems like this kind of seems very reminiscent of last season where – you get any bit of momentum, you lose three guys. Like, come on, man. So I'll master lock the health and safety protocols, even though definitely can master lock. A few yeah, I think tonight. I think tonight's a night where I almost I almost have to master lock everybody not named LeBron or Trevor Ariza. Like everybody else on the team, whether it was Isaiah Thomas. Oh, my goodness. What a terrible shooting performance. THT, Russell Westbrook, DeAndre Jordan. It felt like everybody else. Carmelo Anthony getting himself thrown out. He was right, by the way, on that second technical. He was right to argue that, but not when you've already got one technical. It felt like everybody else on the team had issues tonight. And uh, and so I know it's kind of a broad master lock, but anybody not named Ariza or LeBron, you're getting put in the master lock tonight. Can I add one more? Uh, I counted at least seven or eight missed yeah. layups. Braun missed a couple of one couple. I mean, Russ gets your usual two to three missed layups a game, but it was just like, come on, man. Like, you, you never lose a game because of one thing, but I mean, missing eight layups, that's 16 points on the board. There, that's a so. good point. The missed layups were certainly an issue. Um, and unfortunately, it's not a new thing. We have seen that quite a bit this season. Aaron Willikov said, Rob should have kept Caruso and let go of THT and Ariza or none. Rondo needs to train Westbrook during the All-Star weekend. They all need to take it off. Yeah, I mean, some of the moves that they made during the offseason made sense at the time, but aren't looking so great at this moment. Uh, Jerry Orbach said, THT and Russ for Gary Harris. Ross, uh, Russ and Mo, or Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba. Uh, I don't see why Orlando does that. They're in a full rebuild. Why would they want to take on? They're in a full rebuild. And you might be able to get one of those guys in the buyout market, whether it's Ross or Gary Harris. So, yeah. yeah, Potentially, yes. Uh, Frank Viscara said, if Westbrook's contract is untradeable, then we got to talk about AD. Why not trade AD for Lillard or Simmons? Only got a couple years left with LBJ. So, I don't know if those deals are out there. I don't know if those are out there, but um, I don't know if the knee-jerk reaction needs to just be, oh, well, if Westbrook isn't tradable, we have to trade somebody, so just trade Anthony Davis. Like, you want it to be a trade that makes sense for your franchise. And I'm not saying the trading AD should be completely off the table or anything like that, but that's very much going to be a last, last resort. Uh, And we've talked about why on previous episodes I don't think there should be this great rush to get rid of Anthony Davis at this point, particularly like right now, if you were to try to sell Anthony Davis right now, you are very much selling low. And I don't think that's necessarily what you, what you want to do. Yeah. 
uh, James Bell Houston Rockets would trade for Russell Westbrook to offer a small amount to buy him out because John Wall won't do that. I mean, I don't know if, if Westbrook, Westbrook has almost $90 million left on his contract. Do you think that he's going to accept a small buyout? I don't see that happening. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. We'll do a couple more. Master lock, pile drive, people's elbow, cobra clutch, stone cold stunner, suplex, tombstone, <laughs> THT, and Thomas combined two for 24 from the field. That may be appropriate. That one was pretty rough. That was certainly rough. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right, guys. So, oh, here we go. We got another one. Trade AD, Bazemore, 2026 first rounder. Don't have that. You have the 2027. DJ, second round picks to the Hawks for Reddish, Hunter, Capella. I, I Again, other teams have to want the stuff that the Lakers are sending out, and that's where things get pretty difficult in terms of, of sending out some of these, these trade offers. And I don't think – I'm say, I'm not saying the Hawks wouldn't want AD. I think that they would, but I don't know that they're looking to make a wholesale change, and I also don't know that the Lakers should just trade away AD just out of panic, like, oh, my gosh, we have to do something, so just trade this guy away. Again, I think you're probably selling low on him if you do it right now. Yeah. All right, guys. Next up, the Lakers take on the San Antonio Spurs. And then we've got the Christmas Day matchup with the Nets. Who knows what that's going to look like, though? Because there's so many players in health and safety protocols. Who knows who's going to be available from either side? But again, that is what's coming up. A lot can happen between now and then. Hopefully next game, the Lakers can get things back on track. They have now fallen back to 500. They were three games above 500 at one point. Now they've fallen back to 500, and they've got to get things going again. And if this game was evidence, the other guys are the ones that need to really pick it up in this one. Sean, uh, thanks so much for coming on here with me, man. This was uh, this was fun, and uh, it was cool getting to go through everything with you. Guys, make yep, sure you, you keep in tune with, uh, with Sean. You can follow him over on Twitter, at Sean underscore Davey, D-A-V-I. Uh, puts out a lot of great content and uh, does a lot of breakdowns for us, particularly putting out some of the short breakdowns for social media, breaking down some of the plays of the Lakers and showing you kind of what's going on, the game within the game, and, and peeling back the curtain there. So make sure you guys take a look at that. Till next time, everybody, stay safe and see ya.